Welcome to yet another episode of Wing It Motown Radio. I'm your host, Kyle McElmurray. We've got JJ from Kansas, Graham, and uh, we've got Prashant here tonight. Um, Jeff couldn't be with us. I don't know what he's doing. The Bruins aren't playing, so I'm really not quite sure what he's doing with his life. Um, but gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Uh, the Red Wings, they're on a four-game win streak, so everybody's happy, right? Yeah, they're doing good things. Yeah. Yep, I mean, it's like... It took a little bit for them to – they looked pretty bad for a couple of games, but then they kind of, you know, they started to look good in those last couple of games. JJ, how about you? I'm uh, walking on sunshine. That sounds dangerous. <clears throat> you know what I mean? I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. There we go. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> I really needed that. <laughs> 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 Anyways, um, like we were saying, uh, the Red Wings are riding a hot streak right now. Um, started the season 0-2, got destroyed in Florida by Tampa and Florida. Um, wasn't really good. A lot of, lot of doom and gloom after those two games. But I think most of us really uh, really expected them to kind of get their, their clocks cleaned against those two teams just because they are on a completely different level than the Red Wings are right now. Um but ever since then, it seems like the Red Wings have started to make a couple of adjustments and started to figure it out. Um, they absolutely stole a game from the Rangers because Jimmy Howard. Um, they did not look good in that game. But um, like every now and then, your goalie's got to steal one for you. So um, that kind of uh, that that kind of started the ball rolling after that uh, that Ottawa game. So. Um, you know, and then they came out against uh, Nashville, and uh, they looked they looked real good. And then, um, you know, then they also, you know, they they looked uh, really good against uh, what was that other team we played? I can't even remember. Sharks. 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 Right, the San Jose Sharks. I should know that. So two 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 teams who aren't <laughs> terrible by any means. I would I would argue that Martin Jones probably isn't that great of a goalie. I don't know. He looked kind of he he got. Nyquist ripped him apart, and so, and so did Athanasiu. But um, you know, two decent teams with 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 good players. Um, you know, back them up. I think they they came out and they neutralized. Uh, you know that 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 uh those top lines and everything, and they did a really good job. So there's a lot of positives to pull from that. So I guess uh, the biggest one for me is is Gustav Nyquist. I mean, I think he's like hit a different level, and he's been playing really, really, really good hockey. So. Um, you know, that would be one of the standouts for me. Another one over the last couple of games is Ryan Sproul. I think he's been a stud um, uh, playing, playing, playing limited minutes, but he's uh, been effective uh, doing what he does. So I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. And then obviously you got Jimmy Howard, who has been really good too. And uh, kind of giving uh, Peter Mrazek a little run for his money. So, um, you know, they're doing good things and they're playing Carolina next. And, we are all expecting Martin Furk to score at least four goals, but you know that's just what we expect. So, what about you guys, JJ? I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you take the lead here. Um, what were your positives and what were your negatives over this four-game win streak? Oh man, just the uh, the narrative uh, of the season so far is just because uh, I, I get we did all expect them not to do so well in Florida to start off with, and then they beat Ottawa. Um, in a game we expected to win because Ottawa's bad. They're shit show, yeah. 
yeah, it's a uh, uh, home opener, so yeah, you should win that. Um, going to New York, not terribly confident. Jimmy Howard stole us the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, and he was like, "Well, we won that game, but you know, we're still we st- we're still only two and two, and we've got a, a real tough schedule ahead of us." So you go to Nashville, and and you beat Nashville. You do a really good job there, but then it comes out that like half the team was had the oh, what was it called? The green apple two step. What uh, Ken Daniel said. Uh, thanks for food poisoning. So it's like, okay, well, I guess that doesn't count. <laughs> and then they they had their most complete game against the the Sharks. So we're going to Tuesday. Everybody's pretty confident. Carolina's not been a, a very good team so far. They keep giving up leads. Um, I guess at this point, like we're almost confident to the point where I'm scared of Carolina now. Yeah, you feel like things are going too well, and you you think that you yeah, Bill Peters is going to come in there and just destroy you not destroy you but beat you um and they really shouldn't they really shouldn't because um while carolina is actually a good team they have a decent roster they're building a really good young roster there um their goaltending is still not good um it'll just be nestrosota ferk all night just (laughs) (laughs) no without a doubt oh that's that's a given Prashant, what about you? Positives, negatives over the the, the four game win streak? Since pretty much everything in the first two games were mostly negatives. Yeah, I think initially I was a little concerned because you know the wins against the Rangers. I mean, that was not like you know that's not a sustainable kind of win. Yeah. But uh, they kind of made a couple of lineup changes uh, for the Nashville and then the San Jose game. And I think the big change was splitting up Larkin and Tatar. And actually, one of the things I was just doing before the show was going through um, the zone entry data that Corey has pulled and looking at it like Larkin and Tatar, like off the charts, averaging more than 20 entries per 60 minutes. And they were playing on the same line through those first four games. And actually one of the things I kind of noticed is they got split up uh, for the right before the Nashville game. And I'm wondering if that's helped have two lines of sustained offense. And I think that's a, that's a big positive. The wings can, can continue to have at least two lines rolling, given how well the Nyquist Vanek uh, helm line have been playing. If you can have those three lines rolling, I mean, to be honest, it might not matter who you put on the fourth line, which right. is a little bit <laughs> scary. But at the same time, if you can have those three lines rolling, that's fantastic. So really mm-hmm. pleased with the lineup adjustments. I think they're doing really, really well, and the Wings are getting great goaltending. Uh, so you have to be happy with the last couple of games and how, how things are trending. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm I'm right there with you. Another uh, another positive I think that nobody has mentioned yet, and I know that all of us we have it on our mind is Jonathan Erickson. Um, whatever the hell has happened or gotten into him, he has played not just better, but for what he was, a lot better. Um, it seems like he's skating better. He's making better decisions. He's using his size. Um, and he's not fumbling the puck as much as you're, we're used to seeing now. I don't know if that means he this is him now, but you know it's it's refreshing to see because coming into the season, the defense I think everybody was just like, oh god, this is going to be awful, and the defense actually hasn't been that bad um, aside from the first couple of games where things got a little messy, but. You know, the defense has actually been okay, and the New York game. The New York game, they were an absolute disaster. But, um, you know, lately, it, it seems like things, uh, they that's not really uh, something that is concerning to me as, as, it, as it was before. And I just, it makes me wonder 
was Erickson being held down by Cronwall or was, or was just, I don't know. I, I, you know, obviously the season is young, things will happen, but it's refreshing to see him do uh, better and be making those, uh, those smart plays like that play he made with, uh, to set up Nyquist's goal uh, against San Jose. That was a, that was a beautiful, that was a beauty. Um, Graham, what about you? Positives and negatives in the four game win streak. Um, and don't say the Cubs. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I mean, Erickson is one. Uh, Sproul, I think, has been mm-hmm. Ryan Sproul's always been a player I've been very interested in seeing because um, of where he, what he looked like, like in junior. So I've always been kind of waiting for him to get to the NHL and see what he can do. Uh, let's we we can't overlook the the main story here is that Drew Miller scored two goals <laughs> and uh, you know. <laughs> Just even for just for for a brief moment, shut us all the fuck up because we I mean, we I, I still hate that line. I will hate that line all season, oh, yeah. but he got two goals. So, you know, what are you going to do? And that goal he scored against um, against Nashville was was absolutely beautiful. I mean, I, I love that. I, I probably rewound that goal three or four times just to watch it because it was such a nice goal. Um, I, I still cannot get over. How good the Helm Vanek Nyquist line is! I, yeah. after the first game when they put it together, I thought this from the from the Vanek perspective, I thought this is actually the good thing because you want to shelter him five on five, don't want him in top six. You know, you can just you know spread out your scoring. But um, Nyquist looks reborn. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's just you know just like I don't know if him and Blashill maybe just had like a huge clear the air moment from last year where Blashill says. I didn't use you properly. And Nyquist says, I kind of sucked last year and they just hugged it out. And then Nyquist said, I'm going to be the guy I was, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years ago or what, but I mean, he looks fantastic. Um, that line, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still amazed at how well they're playing together. Mm-hmm. And it, it has been the one constant uh, from the, from the very first game, because even the first game and the first and second games, they were good in those games too. So, um, yeah, I mean the last two games, they played well. I and mean, the, the Ranger game, look, he just he kissed Jimmy Howard because he he yeah. gifted you points. Um, but then he comes back and pitches a shutout against San Jose. Not a not a tough game. No, um, no. but I mean still still a shutout. So I, they just they're they're looking good. Four and two after six. I I think we talk, talked about it. You throw out the Ottawa, maybe look what they should beat Ottawa, but. I mean, I think we were looking at what one in five is a realistic start for them, based on who they were playing. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, we'll see. It's, means. Obviously, it's fun with sample size. It's only six games into the season, but I mean, it's it's. I'm cautiously optimistic that they they might actually be better than we thought they were going to be. Maybe. Yeah, yeah and, and the reason for optimism, I think, is that their defensive structure does look like it's coming around. We do. We talked about this before, where last season we gave Jeff Blashill a half season cushion for getting the team ready to to do a new to implement a new system um i think by and large they're still technically trying to implement kind of a new system they're still making tweaks and we've seen the good and the bad in in how that works i've done uh, a key play breakdown for every game except for Florida because I was too crushed after the Florida loss. But basically everything runs around like yeah. what's causing and preventing and, and leading to a lot of odd man rushes because uh, those are kind of the, the easiest and, and most telling plays. And what the Red Wings are, do, are starting to do is they're getting a lot better 
at having the wingers and the defensemen um, figure out where exactly they're supposed to be cycling back and forth and where those real danger areas of taking those kind of risks are because you have to take risks or you're back to playing the low event shit hockey and, and what I really liked in the the San Jose game is that they had looked like they were doing a really good hybrid of the older low event and the more risk taking and what I mean by that is like we saw the the Sharks had a lot of uh, time cycling in the Red Wing zone where they weren't really doing a whole lot um they were out around the edges. They were around on perimeters. They couldn't get the puck in the middle, and they couldn't create high-quality high chances. Um, you know, Graham basically said that Jimmy Howard's shutout there was, I was as pedestrian as you get for a shutout. It was a really good performance, but mostly the team kept the Sharks to the outside. But when it got into the shark zone, they were doing a lot better at creating shot attempts. And, and as far as the like the course he pays right now, the, the Red Wings are about half the midpoint of the league for that. They're still a little underwater because they got absolutely killed in the games they got killed in and the games that they've done really well in, they, they haven't gone quite as, as, as fast. But they've been playing the score effects too. I mean Yeah. But they're doing a really good job of slowing down the defense the uh, slowing down the game in their own zone and then speeding it up through center ice. And that's that's what I'm really happy about and it's something to build on and it's a reason for confidence. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of uh, switching up the defensive structure and, and the defense as a whole, I mean, um, you know, there have obviously been a lot of trade talks uh, uh, since uh, what seems to be the beginning of goddamn time because of how, you know, how many holes this team has had at the blue line all the while um, being just absolutely just having a glut of players on that blue line. Um, and, you know, there have been a lot of rumors about the Cam Fowler uh you know trade the inevitable cam Fowler trade that it seems to be all but certain at this point um or, or, or i'm sorry but it just it seems to be certain at this point excuse me um so you know for a long time i think a lot of us were were accepting the fact that you know they just need to the uh, anaheim needs to clear space so they can get um lindholm signed so they need to dump salary the red wings essentially need to go dollar for dollar in a trade it doesn't seem like it would happen, but upon more uh, further observation with the uh, the situation that Anaheim has with long-term injury reserve, as well as the Red Wings, uh, well, the Red Wings already, I mean, they still have to go dollar for dollar right now, pretty much, right, I believe? Uh, they got about 570000 that they can play with, so. So, yeah, pretty much. Um, basically, I mean, there are there is a way... Um, it would just essentially have to involve, obviously, Mantha, because that's the rumored name that that uh, that's the 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 uh, the cow that that Anaheim really wants. And then you have to dump a salary salary like Brennan Smith or Thomas Tatar, um, you know, and right off the bat, personally, I mean, that's an absolute no for me. Um, but, you know. A lot of people seem to think that that would actually be a good trade and it wouldn't be lateral or backwards. So, um, I mean, I don't think I think Cam Fowler is I think he might be better than what people uh, account like count him to be. But I mean, he's not a number one defenseman and he's not a defenseman that I tout as a guy who could fix um, this Red Wings defense that seems to be improving. So, I mean, what are what are your guys uh, overall you know, I think we all share the same opinion on this whole Cam Fowler thing. Um, but what are your what are your guys' overall general feeling towards Cam Fowler? Because we know pretty much Jacob Truba, that's not going to happen. He's not going to come here because 
it just seems like Winnipeg wants way too much, and they should want way too much. But what about what do you guys think about the Cam Fowler uh, trade banter, JJ? No, I agree with Prashant. What? <laughs> Whatever he says. I haven't said anything yet. JJ already knows. Yeah. You know, I think Fowler's had a really good start to the season this year. And yeah. the, the big attraction to him is he's always been a really high-scoring defenseman. He puts up a lot of points. He's got three career 35-plus point seasons already, 24 years old. There's a lot of things that sound attractive about his game and that look attractive on a on the surface. I think the biggest issue with Fowler is just – his numbers from a possession slash uh, ability to control shots on the ice are very similar to Danny DeKaiser. Mm-hmm. Um, though I would argue that he's probably got a little bit more offensive upside and DeKaiser's probably a little better defensively. But ultimately, I think you're getting a similar caliber player. And, you know, what the Wings are already saying right now is DeKaiser, at least in his current role, is just getting absolutely buried. And I think that what they would do is they would take Fowler out of that role that he's doing well in in Anaheim, which is, yeah. you know, right now, while he doesn't have to worry about Lindholm, but once Lindholm comes back, you've got Lindholm, Josh Manson, Sammy Vatten, and you've got a lot of guys there that are uh, much better and capable defenders that allows Anaheim to kind of control Fowler's deployment. I worry that Detroit would make that deal. They would bring Fowler here. They put him in over his head, and then you get a situation like DeKaiser where, you know, DeKaiser right now has some of his bottom 10 in the league in terms of shots against uh, for 60 minutes right now. And I worry the same thing would happen to Fowler, given that he has a propensity not to be able to to affect the possession game as well as other defensemen. And then, like you've already mentioned, the price of giving up a guy like Thomas Tatar, who is absolutely sensational um, and is wildly underrated, and is a restricted free agent next year, I think that would be a huge, huge mistake. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I guess if you were looking at a player like, I mean, even like at, at its core, like Mantha for Fowler is something I still am not, I'm not excited. I mean, obviously I could probably digest it a little bit better, given that they're a Western team and, you know, you, you'd barely play them. But even at, at its core, that trade, Mantha for Fowler straight up, I wouldn't I I'd be I wouldn't be too happy with it because I still think Matha has a lot in the tank right now and I think that he has a chip on his shoulder so I don't know I just yeah I, don't, I there's very few situations where I find and I I, I completely agree with you Prashant I think they'll put him in a role where he, or Fowler they'll put Fowler in a role where he is essentially just buried like the Kaiser so because the Kaiser should essentially be playing the same role that Fowler is playing in Anaheim right now so Graham. Um, I think it's all window dressing at this point because I think they want to go out and they want to get this number one defenseman that they clearly lack mm-hmm. on the team. You know, that all situations guy that, that just doesn't exist right now. And, you know, as, as Prashant mentioned, I mean, there's so many there's so many things about a guy like Cam Fowler that are attractive. He's young. He's, uh, he's fairly cost-controlled. Um, he does have uh, offensive upside. And, you know, if you kind of look at his uh, look at some of his numbers, I mean, there's 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 stuff there that would get you excited. But then when you kind of dig a little deeper, you go, you know what, is he that much better than what the Red Wings have currently based on the price that they would likely have to give up in order to get him? Which doesn't make a ton of sense to me in a weird way, because Anaheim should be the one desperate to get rid of him, because once they sign Lindholm, they're in I mean, they're they're not, not even cap hell. I mean, they're in the ninth circle of cap hell at that point. So. You know, you would hope that if the Red Wings were to make a trade, 
to get Fowler, that they would recognize the situation that Anaheim is in and take advantage of that. Um, I don't see that happening, unfortunately. But the other concern I have is that no matter who the Red Wings bring in, whether it be Fowler, whether if they could, I mean, somehow in some you know weird universe, swing a deal for Truba. Um, I don't even know who else would be available, but I mean, whoever they get, I get the sense that there will be a an extremely large portion of the fan base for which no matter how well that player performs, it's not going to be good enough because they're going to see this return for a, a, a guy like that. Because a guy like Fowler, a guy like Truba, even if they could find a trade for Lindholm, because if you believe people who don't have any actual credibility, Lindholm could be being shopped. <laughs> Yeah, no. um, but I mean, it's I don't believe that for a second. But you know, you wonder if if Anaheim gets closer to December first, are they willing to burn a year of of Lindholm and just go without him? I mean, I don't know what the situation would be there, but regardless, young defensemen like that are expensive. They just they are because everybody wants them. So um, I think no matter who the Red Wings go after, the return is going to be bigger and more expensive than most fans are going to be able to stomach. And then when that player does come in, the expectations are going to be, I think, probably extremely unrealistic. And if there is any sort of a um, kind of a, a period of adjustment um, at the beginning where the new guy doesn't kind of click right away, it could get ugly. Yeah, I, and you know what? I don't think if the Red Wings can't afford Jacob Truba, they can't afford Lindholm, that's for sure. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know. I feel like if it comes down to it and, I mean, if they really want Cam Fowler and um, Anaheim, from what it sounds like with the, with the inter-reserve situation, because they might have – because they'll have um, – who's on injury reserve right now? There's uh, J.J. Dupre. Dupre, and then there's another one too, though. I uh, can't remember. It's one of their forwards. Um, it's one of their like, – he's 1. like 1. 1. 1.5 million. million. Yeah, something like that. And uh, so, I mean, they might not have to clear as much cap space as that you, you, you know, they were anticipating. So, I don't know. Maybe the Red Wings c- could use that in their advantage to actually get something that would be an okay, you know – you know, flip flop for it, but I mean, at the same time, as Prashant said, do we really expect Cam Fowler to come in and play top pair minutes, twenty plus minutes a night, and be some sort of shut down all situations defenseman? I really don't think so. Um, so, I mean, he could certainly turn into a serviceable middling pairing guy, but yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't really move the needle for me. And uh, I mean, moving along to more trade talks, I mean. There have been a lot of people uh, who have just been banging the Jimmy Howard trade drum, and I get it. There's a lot of uh, – I get it. People really want to – I mean, he's playing really well right now, and uh, that will no doubt uh, build his, his value. But I, as I'm telling people all around the league right now uh, is that L.A. is in a situation where they just need to rent a goalie. They need a rental if they're if they're trying to just make it by. Pavlik is probably perfect for them, um, and you know Jimmy Howard has two more years left on his contract. Um, if the Red Wings were unable to move him last season when he just dragged the team into the playoffs with his with his really strong play, I don't think you know he's going to have to string together like what like fifteen good starts like in order for it to make it even plausible, and someone would probably have to end up getting hurt. 
uh, with another team. And since he's playing so well right now, I honestly don't think the Red Wings are going to want to trade him. I think they're going to want to keep him and then have a, a really good tandem. And if one shits the bed, then you have a good backup and you don't have to worry about it. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's another trade topic that is worth covering right now. Um, and I guess I will hand that one off to JJ since JJ didn't really give an answer on the whole Fowler thing. Well, I did. I said I agree with Prashant, and then he yeah, proved but me right. Prashant didn't even freaking say anything. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he proved me right, though. Uh, no, this uh, I will say, go back on that just real quick and say the saving grace there is that time may be running out uh, because of the basically cap penalty rule for signing an RFA after the beginning of the season. Um, the cap money only makes sense for like another two weeks, I think, as far or not even maybe not even that as far as that. Uh, that Fowler trade. Uh, yeah, uh, Goaltending wise, yeah, like I said on, on Twitter not too long ago, Jimmy Howard is a three year solution to like a four month problem mm-hmm. that the Kings have right now. Um, or you could even say the Coyotes too, because because uh, Mike Smith is hurt and apparently people don't believe uh, Louis Domingue can can handle it. But Pavlik just makes way more sense uh, there, and even even Bishop makes more sense. And I know that LA's cap situation is a little tighter, but honestly, um, Tampa's in a place where they could even afford to uh, to retain some of Bishop's salary to to make some of that happen. So I don't see Jimmy Howard going anywhere to a team that is dealing with short-term injury situations. If he does end up uh, building up to like real-world trade value. Yeah, I still don't mind moving him like for the right deal, but that's that that's a, it's a self-building prophecy because the right deal for, I would trade anybody for literally the right deal, uh, and you'd be dumb not to. It, the likelihood of the right deal coming along, I don't see as something terribly likely. Still, um, I think that they want to give Howard a chance. I think they like Howard. I think Ken Holland is loath to trade Howard. I think that they want to keep Howard, they may consider keeping Howard just as a dangling carrot for the expansion draft uh, possibility, even though there are other guys that are more likely to get taken there too. Uh, If they don't end up moving him, I don't think it's going to be in the world. I, I'm really happy with the way he's played and I'm, I'm okay with, with like maybe not necessarily going back to like one, a one B unless Mrazic has another real tough stretch of games. Yeah, but yeah, let's just uh, let's just enjoy it while while it lasts. I agree, uh, Prashant. What about you? Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what JJ said. I think a couple other things to add to this is remember that both this year and next year he still has a modified no trade clause. <clears throat> yep. Um, with the modified no trade clause, I believe he has ten teams he can be traded to. You still have to get him to waive that clause in order to make the deal. My bet would probably doesn't want to go sit as a 32-year-old on a crappy team for a little while. So that would right. obviously complicate any sort of deal that's made. And then, you know, right now, I think whatever deal you would get for Jimmy Howard would likely not do anything to advance your team um, in the sense that, one, I would bet the Wings would either have to retain a fair bit of salary, given that he's $5.3 million, uh, mm-hmm. versus cap hit. So, you know, the, the luxury of getting money off the books probably isn't going to be as significant given that I would expect him to have to retain salary or two, you're probably just making a lateral move here and 
right now, if you've got the goaltending benefit, just take it, get what you can out of it. Um, and, you know, every year that moves forward, it's more and more likely that the Wings could move them as the length of that deal shortens and someone's able to say, hey, let me bite the bullet on one year of Jimmy Howard and see what happens. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of in favor of just hanging on to him. I don't really think moving him is going to advance the status of this team based on what they'll probably get back for him. Yeah, and I, you know what, if they move him, then that would be a huge gamble in the fact that you really don't know what Jared Carreau is going to be. Um, I mean, it looks like he's going to be a pretty solid hockey, a uh, pretty solid player, uh, but at the NHL level, maybe. But, I mean, goalies are so hard to predict in that regard with the way that the AHL translates to the NHL, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that it's probably just best to hang on, for him, hang on to him and just hope that if you want to get rid of him, just hope that Las Vegas likes him a lot. Um, uh, Graham, what about you? Do you have any special thoughts or feelings on uh, Jimmy Howard? Uh, I mean, oh, about trading him? Oh, I thought you meant just in general. Um, well, I mean, that too. I, think I mean, he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a, he seems like a wonderful human being. So, I mean, yeah. I guess I have some special, he's a good special feelings that way about him. But, um, I mean, the Red Wings, you know, and let's not forget here, the Red Wings are in the business of trying to win hockey games. And Jimmy Howard has, he stole one game and pitched a shutter at another one so i mean from from their perspective i know a lot of fans are like trade him his value's high and and but the red wings are probably saying internally he's off to a he's off to a strong start he's going to give us an opportunity to win hockey games when he plays which is all you can ask for from your backup goaltender i mean you read the quotes after the game against the rangers uh, um you know he talked about um understanding the role as uh, the backup and understanding what it entails and being kind of almost sounds like he was more at peace with it whereas last year i'm sure he kind of still saw himself as the starter and that he just you know had to win his job back so i mean i don't know how that how that mentality factors in i mean professional athletes are they're weird because they just if they if they feel good mentally and emotionally about where they are uh you know whether they're superstar or whether they're you know just a a depth player that's just trying to contribute where they can i mean if they if they understand their role and embrace it and and can and still have talent they're going to contribute i I wonder if we're going to see that from howard i mean he's not going to be you know giving up one goal a game all year but if they can play him start him 30 times you ease mrazic's workload which i think he still needs because he hasn't shown that he's a 60 or 70 start guy yet just because he still has those those lapses even earlier in the couple in the first two games this year i mean there were some some softer goals that he's given up so um you know if you can count on him to to play well enough to give you an an opportunity to win a game um and he wins half of them you know and puts up some decent numbers you know the red wings they're going to look at that as we have an opportunity to get in the playoffs and blah, 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 you know, all that kind of shit that we, that we hear all the time, you know, you get in, you never know what can happen. Wank motion. But, but that, that is the purpose of what they're trying to do. They're trying to win games and get in. I know we want younger players and all that, but you know, we have Howard, Howard, if he plays like this, gives them a chance to, win. to win. We want to we see, want them, to win see and, them win. And, you know, we should be good. We should be good. Yeah, um, I I think that's good. The Red Wings are in a business to win games right now, and that's just what it is. So, no, he's not going anywhere, not anytime soon. So we're just going to deal with that. And, I mean, 
speaking of uh, you know teams who need help, um, I mean, taking a look around the league right now, um, you know, it's still pretty early in this in this uh, very uh, young NHL season, but I mean, there are a couple of teams that have been surprises a couple of teams that have been not surprises um i mean i guess just right off the bat for me i think the oilers look a little different right now i think they look like a team not like a they they don't strike me as a playoff team right now but i mean they could because the western is kind of bad right now the western conference doesn't look that good um i i think that they might they might make the playoffs as a maybe as a wild card team um and that's been on the back of players like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Cam Talbot. Go figure. Um, and then you've got teams like Calgary. Uh, Calgary. Uh, sorry, Graham, because he just got mad at me for saying it like that. But Yeah, you bumpkin. Okay, okay thank you. Um, Cal- Calgary, uh, that just they just look terrible. And then you look at a team like Chicago. I mean, they've managed to win their last couple of games, but uh, they went down against the Flames and the Leafs and had to come back. So, and lost to the Blue Jackets. And they lost to the Blue Jackets. So, I mean, and it doesn't surprise me because their bottom six is made up of nobodies that I've never, I've never heard of any of those players. I've heard of Tyler Mott because he played at the University of Michigan. I mean, it's just. And then you got like they were playing Brian Campbell on wing. It's just like, good lord, what a mess. Um, I mean, if you look at the the NHL as a whole right now, I don't know if there's like a powerhouse team. And I know that it's super it's super early, but and you can't really judge. But there's no team that I'm like, oh Jesus Christ. I mean, one of them, I guess you could say. I mean, you could say like the Panthers or the Lightning. I mean, they're a a, a, a pick that you could take there. Um, and then, you know, the Habs, I think they're still pretty good despite the uh, riding the extremely high PDO. But that's just early. That's just early antics. Um, what about you guys? Do you guys have any uh, takes, any hot takes or maybe potentially cold takes on who's hot, who's not and who's on their way out? Basically, uh, Graham, why don't you uh, talk about that first? Because I had JJ go first pretty much the whole time and I'm getting sick of listening to him go first. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I still love it, but <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's fine then. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, living here. Um, although, quite honestly, we we don't don't really hear about them too much because of other sports stuff that's happening. But I mean, the Blackhawks are they're, they're just not they're not great, um, which is just amazing to me <laughs> because oh, I've yeah. listened to it forever. But I mean, this is what happens when you sink you know a third of your cap into like four players. So. And you got Duncan Keith who's basically playing on one knee because I don't think he's healthy 100%. But um, so it's nice to see that. Uh, other surprises? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the Oilers it, are one of them for me. Yeah, I mean Vancouver getting. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's 100% unsustainable uh, in how they're playing. But I mean, they're, they're in a in a weird way a lot like the Red Wings. They're a team that they were ex- they're expected to be either at best averagely mediocre to my God, they could finish last overall. I mean, those were the projections and right. they started out, I think four and zero, right. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. they started out. I mean, you know, not in a way that they're, that they can hope to keep that going over the course of the year, but you know, it's kind of one of those situations. Hey, 
for at least a brief moment, maybe you can maybe you can consider they're better than everybody thought they were going to be, and that gives you a little bit of a you know like a eat shit I told you so kind of thing for the detractors. So I hope Vancouver does well. Most I, they have a chance because that division is garbage. Yeah, it is really but, bad. JJ, uh, what about and that's why I think it, that's why I think Edmonton could make it. It's just because of that division. Yeah, no, it's it's the, the, I I honestly think that Connor McDavid could literally pull that team into a playoff berth like i really do like he is that kind of a player so um and then they've got that other you know they got leon dreisaitl who i think is a stud and then you got ryan nugent hopkins and um i mean they got rid of taylor hall which was obviously a bad move but i mean i guess adam you know larson you know he's been doing fine for what it is it looks like so um aside from getting destroyed by patrick line in the outdoor game which was hilarious but um JJ, what about uh, what about you? Any any surprises, non Red Wings uh, around the league or uh, disappointments? Well, I agree with you on on Edmonton as far as uh, the, and they're just fun to watch. Like I I think they're going to end up being like a lot like Dallas that they're going to have fun to watch games, but they're just not there yet in terms of being able to be really competitive. Like I think they'll I, I think they got a really good shot at making the playoffs. Um, Montreal starting off so hot is is scary because if Price can stay healthy, uh, they can do that. Uh, the surprise disappointment so far is is Nashville's off to kind of a slow start, mm-hmm. uh, two and three record through five games. I think they're going to be real good as they come around, but they've just like dealt with some some bad luck as the season has started. And uh, conspiracy wise, hot take: uh, Toronto with five points in five games, um, one one and three record. I think that they are not yet ready to end the tank, but they they are. Uh, I think that Babcock is coaching them into taking leads just to prove that they can, and then intentionally having them blow those leads so they don't get too many points. That's that's my hot conspiracy take. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely don't think that the Leafs are done. I think they, I think they are maybe one, maybe two more years away from like actual contention because obviously you got Nylander you've got Matthews you've got Marner um they got a couple other guys in the in the in the ranks that are looking pretty good they need some I you know they have Morgan Riley uh I think Morgan Riley is the one stud defenseman that I personally think they have but I think they need some more blue chip defensemen I think they have like Jake Gardner is pretty good yeah he's good but isn't he how yeah but how old is he I think he's like 26 I don't know. I don't really know my my Leafs my my yeah, Leafs. I mean, you're, you're right. He's 26. I, I think he's better than Riley, though. Well, whatever. Whoever's better. I mean, you know, I think that they still are a ways away. Obviously, I don't think Frederick Anderson's going to work out that well. Um, I think their goaltending is what's keeping them obviously out of uh, potentially being uh, maybe tops in the division. Because they have been up like four to one on a few teams and blown a lead. Um, now, whether that was because of goaltending or def- defense, I don't know. I don't watch the Leafs, so I, you know, I could probably someone will probably yell at me about this at, uh, down the line. But um, it seems to be that their goaltending is kind of a problem for them. So I don't know. Maybe the whole Frederick Anderson thing was by design. Maybe they just want a bunch of good players to get them seasoned for the NHL action, and then they just sign a goalie that they know isn't going to really move the needle for them and then just tank it out for another couple of years and get some more blue chip blue chip prospects um I'll, i guarantee you there are loose fans listening to this just to find out what you're saying about them 
And they're, com- they're coming for you. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Bring it on, fart breathers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, beliefs are maybe one, maybe two years away from uh, being ready to 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 make a push because um, you'll have it. You'll have other teams like uh, the Habs who are hot right now, but I see them in like maybe again, like maybe two years, just falling off completely because you'll have Price coming out of his prime. Maybe it depends on how much of an alien he is, and obviously you'll have Weber who is not going to be the same player, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, going forward, I think that you have the Leafs maybe owning the division with the, with the players that they have right now. So, um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but Prashanth, what about you? Any surprises, uh, around the league, any upsets for you? Yeah, I think teams that are doing better than I, I at least anticipated them doing right now is first Florida, because, you know, we, we knew Florida was going to be probably a top two, top three team in the East. But we also have to remember there's no Jonathan Huberdo um, right now. They they actually are dealing with some fairly significant injuries. They don't have they don't have Nick Bukestad. So I'm just a little terrified of how good that team's going to be when both those guys are healthy, mm-hmm. um, given how well they've already played. And then kind of the surprise disappointments for me, um, you know, JJ already mentioned Nashville. I think other teams that I've been disappointed in that I was expecting to take the leap this year was one Winnipeg and then two Philadelphia. I was expecting both of those teams to be better than they've played so far. Neither of them have been very good. Winnipeg in particular has been atrocious at times. So, uh, you know, I was expecting those teams to take maybe a bigger jump. It's early in the season. There are things that they can do to improve, but, uh, um, they didn't get off to a great start. Hmm. Well, I mean, if that's pretty much everything about what's coming around the league, we'll just do a quick positivity corner because that's what we do now. Because ever since we started doing positivity corner, the Red Wings have started playing better. So we're gonna roll out the uh, the positive vibes carpet carpet right now, and um, we're gonna be positive about one thing. Uh, it doesn't have to be Red Wings related. It doesn't have to be hockey related. Uh, it doesn't have to. Be, it could just be anything. Um, my positivity corner thought is I absolutely appreciate JJ's puns on Twitter. Oh, thank you. They have inspired me to be a worse person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Prashanth, give me some positivity. I'll give you I'll give you first a Red Wings positivity one. I'm really, really happy for Jonathan Erickson and how well he's played so far. You know, I, I've probably given him more crap than anybody else uh, really on this planet. So I am very <laughs> pleased with the way that he's played, the way that he's rebounded. So I'm giving two thumbs up to Jonathan Erickson. All right. You got another one? Yeah, another one work-related. I am almost done with a bunch of my crap that I have to do for residency, which means I will finally have some more free time uh hopefully in the next couple of weeks so we'll, we'll yes that is always a good thing another thing that i forgot is i finished school just this last week so that's also a positive note too so hell yeah hell yeah for finishing up our uh our uh transitions into adulthood um not that we're not adults now but you know um graham uh let's see so can't be cubs. sorry uh it can't be cubs nope Fine. i'm just kidding yes, it, can it, be can. it can be the cubs I'm positive all right. Well, the Cubs are in the World Series, which is amazing. And uh, my nine-year-old daughter is like over the moon right now because 
this is the year she really got into baseball. I mean, she probably watched, I'd say, probably 70 or 80 games this year in the regular season, which for a nine-year-old is a ton of baseball to watch. Um, so there's that. Uh, Red Wings, I am happy that Darren Helm is off to a very strong start because I have have said numerous times that his his extension contract extension was i thought the worst move in a summer of bad moves by the red wings and i am happy to at least through the first six games be proven wrong um uh, i i guess i'll if we're all sharing news here um today's kind of a weird anniversary for me today uh 10 years ago today i quit smoking well congrats. congratulations congrats yeah. Grant. oh so, yeah so it has Good. been 10 years since i since I've had a cigarette, was uh, was Carrie uh, at all a part of that? Because your guys' really uh, anniversary was recently too. Yes. Yeah, so uh, my b- birthday was last Thursday. Our anniversary mm-hmm. was Saturday, and then my non-smoking anniversary was today. Is is today? So it's like you know every other day. Uh, um, when I quit, uh, she was actually pregnant with our with ah. my oldest. There you go. So, so you that know. was that. Yeah, that had always been the deal. Is that I would I was going to quit smoking when she got pregnant, and I and I did eventually. All right. Well, that's that's good. JJ, what about uh, what about you? Well, I was going to go with the uh, the congrats to you about uh, about finishing up your school in there, but I'll I'll add with with, uh, with Prashanth too. Good good job, guys. I'm I'm proud of you becoming adults. <laughs> I mean, you're already adults, but you're getting like even more adulty, and I don't like adultier. That. Yeah. Adultier. Yes. I'm, I'm happy and proud of that. On the Red Wings side, um, <laughs> honestly, I'm I'm happy that the team is um, more uh, emotionally involved. Like they're angrier this year. Mm. Like I've, I've spent like so many of the last few years alternately talking about how I don't want an enforcer on the team because enforcers do bad things and cause bad things. But also watching the Red Wings get kind of taken advantage of, and like just wanting to see somebody take a stick across somebody's face, and then feeling badly about that because you shouldn't wish for that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but like, there is a, a sick pleasure in watching Dylan Larkin fight. I'm I'm actually happy about like how much how much less shit they're taking. And, and I, I, I agree, like, the most succinct thing in the in uh, Mike's recent article about Dylan Larkin's fight was uh, basically this happens because refs lose control of games. But I've been watching the refs lose control of games for a while now. So I'm I'm happy that, that the Red Wings are more... Uh, they are, they're grittier in, in a way that I'm, that I'm okay with. All right. That is an interesting positive note. But hey... It is Positivity Corner, and that is what we do. We be positive about something, whether it is uh, the fact that you saw a baby get a lollipop stuck out of a, uh, stolen out of his hand and he cried and you thought that was awesome. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's Positivity Corner. Just shut up. We're going to be positive for one little segment, and that's what we're going to do. So now the we're going to move on to— Yannick Weber, and the yes. lollipop was Dylan Larkin's fist. <laughs> okay, that's good too. So now we're going to go back to negativity corner and go to reader. Um, JJ, as always, will field the reader questions, and uh, I think we've covered a lot of maybe what's been asked already. So um, if we don't get to your question, um, very sorry. We can take a yeah, break. Take a sorry, break. yeah. Justin wanted to ask about a break. Does anybody need a break? Yeah, we'll take a break. All 
All right. So we had fun with the positivity corner, as always. Um, so now that the positivity is over with, we're just going to uh, flip to the other side and go to the reader questions. JJ, as always, will field the reader questions for us. It seems like we've gone over a lot of the stuff that you guys have asked about. So if we skip your question, we're really sorry. You can yell at us on Twitter or in the comments, whichever one. Um, uh, or just don't yell at us because we're very, very fragile. Um, but anyways, uh, JJ, you are on with Winging yes. It in Motown Radio. The exact opposite side of the coin from Positivity Corner is reader <laughs> questions because those make us want to kill ourselves. No, <laughs> at any rate, uh, yeah, we did, uh, we, like, the, basically the first three questions are about trading Jimmy. The only one that we kind of, like, didn't touch on was F and G. If we're in the playoff under the deadline, uh, Howard Mrazek are both playing great, and Kuroga is, is putting up hot AHL numbers. Uh, like, would you trade Mrazek for someone like a TJ Brody or Jared Spurgeon? No. <sighs> No, because I mean Mrazek's the future, so I'm you can't. Not, yeah, I mean you can't trust what Kuro's doing in the AHL that and and automatically assume it's going to translate to NHL success. Yeah, there, there's no way of making that deal. Like Jared Kuro and Peter Mrazek are, are the same age, right? Yeah, and you've already got Mrazek right here, and you know from a lot of the advanced goalie metrics, Mrazek's been one of the top five goalies over the last three years. I'm not, I'm not willing to move him. And he's, I mean, what, you look at TJ Brody, Jared Spurgeon, they're like, what, 26 now? So, both yeah. of them. So. Yeah, and Brody's a fantastic defenseman. Like, yeah, honestly, he's I would love to have TJ Brody. I think that would just be a really tough deal to make. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, MDRO12 wants to know, uh, if you could play hockey, if you, like, play in the NHL, what would your style of play be? Like, would you be a playmaker? Uh, what do you think? Kyle, what would you I would be? be a, I would definitely be a power forward. Because I love power forwards. Right on. Graham? Um, I mean, I played, I, when I played, I was both a forward and a defense and, um, I preferred forward. I, I probably would have been your, your Thomas Holmstrom type of, uh, just basically kind of stand in front of the net and take abuse and score garbage goals. <laughs> Get the glory. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fun. I mean, when I played, I was a goalie. So I, uh, and I played a lot like Hashik and Mrazic cause I thought it was just fun to roll around on the ice. Um, <laughs> So I'd probably just keep doing that and hope that that worked. I would be a stay-at-home, booming shot, uh, 200-penalty-minute defenseman. <laughs> Jonathan Erickson? Yeah, I'd get my ass kicked all the time, too. It'd be great. <laughs> you get turned uh, around. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be the dying breed. Um, and then the other question is, who wins the World Series? Cubs. Cubs. Yeah, Cubs. Go Indians! I think the Cubs. You are a, no. just a bad. I'm, I'm rooting against the Cubs uh, because I'm not rooting for Chicago fans. I know uh, Tigers fans aren't going to root for the Indians, but I'm not a Tigers fan. Uh, kiss my ass. Uh, Cubs fans should continue to suffer. However, I do think <laughs> the Cubs will win. Uh, West Side Hero uh, asks four. That is literally a question. It just no. Four. That's not a question. I was hoping you weren't going to bring this one. <laughs> <laughs> How could I not? It got. It got five wrecks. We have to give the readers what they want. Uh, let's see. Lancerman, the, the elephant in the room. I hate to bring this up. has to go public. But since the D-Boss video went public, Dylan Larkin has only 10 points, including the playoffs, has a brutal plus-minus. Uh, how do we go about destroying the D-Boss demon that is haunting Larkin? I don't think – I think it's just coincidence, really. I mean, come on. I, I, I mean, we talked about this earlier that um, when you look at underlying numbers for Larkin, like, his zone entry data, he is on a different level. He's maybe he's not putting up uh, 
like he was. Maybe he won't score 20. He won't top his goal numbers for this season like he did last. Like maybe he won't top last year, but he's still an effective player. There's not like, there's nothing like, it's not like he's a bust all of a sudden, you know. You know, you have to look past uh, the plus minus and the, uh, the, the goals. So, I don't know. No, I don't think that has absolutely anything to do with it. It is all just a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a complete coincidence. Like the guy was shooting freaking twenty percent when that yeah. when that video came out. That was not going to be sustainable. Right. Even close. He's regressed to NHL average of about ten percent, uh, even a little bit above NHL average, and he's still you know, 46 points in your first 86 games is not a bad spot. And he's absolutely controlling the puck. I have no concerns that about Dylan Larkin right now. Okay. I will say I'm pretty sure Lancerman had his tongue in cheek while asking that question. Whatever. Uh, but I, I think that we're also ignoring that it's not necessarily the, the D-Boss video that did it. It's that he played it up and, like, let Jeremy Roenick jump on his back. Ah, um, he did a dance with the devil. Yeah, so... He needs to um, own Jeremy Roenick at some point and, and make up for that. Like, tweet something just brutal about that guy, and then it'll it'll all get better. <laughs> just tell him to fuck himself, like, yeah. in tweet form. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Baby Larks, if nothing changed for better or worse, do you think the way we played against Ottawa, Nashville, and San Jose is enough to go deep in the playoffs, possibly be a cup contender? Uh, if you could change one aspect of our play, what would it be? Graham? Uh Deep in the playoffs? No, because just no. I'm not. I'm not convinced that that's the case. Uh, change one thing. I mean, I defensively, they still need to. They still need to tighten up. Uh, specifically, Danny DeKaiser. Um, if I had to pick one thing to change, it would be him not being a possession black hole on that top pairing. Right on, Kyle. Um, I would say maybe I want to see more Franz Nielsen. I like him a lot. I like the way he plays hockey. I want to see him excel. And I think that he's been kind of like a, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. He's just, I want to see more of him. I want to see him maybe in not so much of like a, a prime role, but in a, in a role where he can score some more and get some more scoring chances. I know he's being played. He's playing good minutes right now, but I just want to see more of him. I really like Franz Nielsen. Um, and he's he's been getting uh, he's been getting clobbered. Yeah. Uh, so part one, I don't think that this team still has the potential to go deep in the playoffs. Uh, I think ultimately the, the defense does get exposed when you're getting into those series against better teams. I mean, just look at how we played against Florida and Tampa Bay. Um, as far as things that I would like to see change or things that I'd like to see go a little bit better. I absolutely agree with Graham that the biggest thing right now for me is you got to protect Danny DeKaiser because uh, every time you're throwing him on the ice, he is absurdly negative. And, you know, to paint a picture, his uh, five on five score adjusted course side four percentage is roughly 31% right now. Hell yeah. That is bad. And for the that, folks at know, home, prior, it's not good. Yeah, it's just bad. You, you can't have that. And just looking at zone exit data for him, the big reason is when he's when he's on the ice, the wings do not exit their zone with possession of the puck. They get hemmed in. I mean, less than 40 percent of zone exits or possession exits when you have DeKaiser on the ice. So something's got to change with him. He's got to get protected. Something has to happen. 
Um, but he can't he can't keep getting out there for 25 minutes and getting demolished. Yeah, right. On. Um, I would like to change the penalty kill since I since you guys yeah, are going to, yeah. the regular defense. Mm-hmm. I'd like um, for Steve to not be taking faceoffs. Yeah, I'd like last for him boy- to take faceoffs in the AHL. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that, that's fine. Uh, last boy scout 1863 asked a question. I'm just going to take this one and then I'll, I'll move on and give you guys the next one. Uh, how many slaps in the face for Mantha would it take for Blashill to move him onto the NHL roster? Uh, over under 10.5. Uh, I will remind that Blashill said that it's basically uh, Ken Holland's decision to, to move him. So he, he can slap Blashill silly, uh, but it's it's really he's got to move up one office to to start slapping people around. Um, also, what will Ken Holland do when Cronwell returns to the lineup? Lose blue letters, pull to waivers, or has a trade in the works to absorb the cap hit? Uh, as a uh, Cronwell is currently not on long term injured reserve. His cap hit already counts, so he can come back into the lineup. Whenever uh, the worry we're looking at right now is Thomas Yurko's nine hundred thousand. When he is ready to come back, it looks like right now mid mid November. Uh, that is going to be an issue that they're going to have to move out um, about eight hundred fifty thousand dollars in cap space for. Uh, so you can't do that by losing Sproul. Uh, Sproul only makes six hundred twenty-five k. So something else will have to happen there. Cronwell uh, will get moved to LTIR, I believe. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't see any other uh, any other way around that because uh, yeah. Steve Vaughn only makes eight hundred thousand, so that's not going to be enough. Um, Drew Miller makes a million. There you yeah, go. He's a freaking he's a silver sniper right now. You can't move him. I know you can't. You can't. You can't <laughs> take the hot sniper. Stick out of the lineup. Damn, he's already doubled his goal total from last year. <laughs> he's got more goals than Athanasiu. Yeah, that's true. Okay, uh, Yvette S19, uh, Halloween party, your house is too small. You can only invite two Red Wings, current or past. Who do you invite, and what is their costume? Who's ready for this one? I am. All right. All right, so I invite Johan Franzen, and he has to be dressed as a clown. And then I invite, um, I think what I'll do is I will invite Igor Larionov, and he has to, uh, he has to dress as a mad scientist. Or professor, if you mad professor, but mad scientist oh, yeah. sounds better. He could pull off Farnsworth, I think. Yes, absolutely. All right, Phil's got a good answer here. Um, no one apparently. <laughs> I didn't look at the questions beforehand, so I got to think about this. Um, For fuck's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'd like to craft an answer to this, Kyle. Jesus. I got some to craft right over here, buddy. All right, fine. I'll, I'll go Graham. I'll take Thomas Holmstrom. Right. He's got to come as a freaking. He just has to be a, a construction worker, but he has to talk like. <laughs> he just has to. I just want to hear him talk nonstop because he's got the funniest voice. He does. Um, he does have a weird voice. Oh, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> I just want to keep. I just want to listen to Homer just talk all night. Um, and the other guy that has to show up is Brett Lebda, just because I want Thomas <laughs> to hit him upside the head with his. I just I want Brett Lebda there. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. Um I would want I would want Nicholas Lidstrom there, but I would want him to dress as like a hobo. Just because I would not believe I still think he would make it work somehow and it would just be like the most fantastic hobo you've ever seen in your entire life. Um <laughs> you know what it would be it'd be derelict. Yeah. Yeah, derelict. It would it would be. Yeah. Um, and I would want, I would want Henrik Zetterberg to come, but as a hairless cat. So we would have to 
to shave off every ounce of hair off his head. And every every all its hair off his body, and he'd have to come as a, as one of those hairless cats. Oh, I like that. Uh, Henrik Zetterberg showing up as, as Leto's Joker would be funny, but no. Um, Thomas Holmstrom dressed like an actual chipmunk would be great. Oh, yeah. uh, but I think I'm going to go with Thomas Tatar and Yuri Hitler in the exact same Dracula outfit. It's just because those two seem like they can party like nothing else. And this is a Halloween party. Like I'd love to hang out with Igor Larionov and Nick Lidstrom and just like play chess with them or have coffee with them or anything like that. <laughs> But this is a Halloween party. It's going to be loud. There's going to be, like, shit happening, like, stuff getting thrown around. I want party animals, and, and those are <laughs> it. Uh, the follow-up to that is, which one player asked to come, but you said, maybe next year, and what costume do they have planned? Uh, Steve Ott, and he was dressed as Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Miller, I, but he was, he was dressed like a school teacher. Because he thought that there would be like people dressed up in school girl outfits. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want Luke and Denning to come as a Teletubby. <laughs> okay. I like uh, that we picked the entire fourth line. Like, I would say can't come. I would say maybe next year to Dylan Larkin because I don't want to contribute to the delinquency of a minor. Oh, okay. And he was going to come dressed as uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Way to, take I, the moral see, high, way to take the moral high ground, you asshole. I'm so yeah, dead. My, well, my, my, actually, I'll, I would change my answer, and I would, I would say that Anthony Mantha can't come, except I'm dressed as Jeff Blaschel at the party. <laughs> 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 you look just like him, too. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> just because he's bald? No, come on. Yeah, we're going by the Pierre Maguire logic. <laughs> all, all bald guys are Jeff Blaschel. Uh, Jason had a really good answer. He said, don't know about the first two, but the third guy was Ferk, and he was going to come dressed as a hurricane. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> uh, let's see, raw power. Uh, what's the biggest reason the wings, wings will continue winning? Uh, and what mistake do they keep making that's bound to shoot them in the foot? I guess we can't say keep playing to Kaiser. Uh, the goaltending will keep them winning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only way they're going to keep winning right now is right now they have the league's best five-on-five save percentage. So if if that drops off, there's going to be concern. But if you can stay in the top five all year, you have a potential to win while your offense and defense improve. Yeah, right. um, yeah. I, I mean, I I agree with the goaltending. I to me, as long as the third line keeps scoring um, and gives them kind of, I'll, I'll call it unexpected offense because I don't think we expected Helm to get off to the start he did. Um, I think that's going to be a real key if they have three scoring lines that at any on any night can provide offense. Yeah, I mean, if they keep scoring three goals plus a game, then yeah, that also will contribute to winning. <laughs> yeah, that actually leads into our next question by Kurt 58 uh, Although a small sample size, Detroit is in the top 10 in goals per game this year. It's a big change from past few years where it seems they struggled to put the puck in the net consistently. Do you think they will continue this trend all year and stay in the top half of the league in goal scoring, or is this just a hot start for them? Um, I haven't looked at, like, PDO or anything like that. I have. I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, right now they're at, like, 105 PDO, but that is basically driven by high goal uh, by high goal tending. Uh, yep. Their shooting percentage five on five is like nine point eight, which is like right around in the, the acceptable area. Yeah, yep. like it's it's maybe a little bit high, but it's it it shouldn't regress too much. Okay, so I would say that if they are willing to 
make those adjustments and keep things going like they have been, then, yeah, I mean, maybe they could stay there. I mean, maybe they could be one of those wild cards uh, that just scores a lot and does it in a sustainable manner. Um, I mean, maybe they make a couple additions like, uh, you know, maybe move Thomas Yurko into the lineup, move Anthony Mantha into the lineup, but all of a sudden you got yourself four skill lines. I don't know. Who knows what could happen? So um, they could get better they could stay the same or they could get worse. That is my official answer. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. Uh, you know, one you could say right now they rank 22nd in shots generated per 60 minutes at five on five. And you could say there's a reason they'll fall off. You could also look and say that in terms of expected goals, they actually rank ninth in expected goals at 2.77 per 60 minutes, which isn't terribly far off from 3.19 that they're, scoring right now and that they rank sixth in the NHL and scoring chances for per 60 minutes. And so for some reason they are somehow getting the quality chances, but not actually getting a lot of chances. So you could argue that if that keeps up, there's not really a reason to expect a significant drop off in scoring. However, I do think that that's the, those expected goal numbers and scoring chance numbers would drop off if you didn't eventually get the quantity chances up. So you want quantity over quality. I want both. Yes. You want perfect world. I want a perfect world, Kyle. Yeah. Okay. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, boy, that's a good answer. Uh, I, I expect it to regress a little bit. Um, I think that they have the talent on the team, and I think it's been deployed, minus the fourth line, um, relatively well in terms of trying to spread out the scoring. Um, but I... I, I don't think they're going to keep up this pace because I think they have, uh, like, I, I don't think Darren Helm, for example, is going to keep up this pace. Um, Drew Miller, uh, he's probably done for the year. So that'll be it. I, I, I could see them finishing probably around 13th in, in goals by the end of the year. Actually, I'll, I'll lock it in. 13th, that's where they finish. I would take that to the bank right now. If you were to tell me that at the end of the season they finished yep. 13th, I'd be like, yep, I'll take that. Yep. That probably gets you into the playoffs. Yeah, ideally what you'd want to see is that as the secondary and possibly even tertiary scoring drops off, that the guys who you expect to score a little bit more, uh, like Tatar will get a second goal, Larkin will get his first goal, Nielsen will start lighting it up, Zetterberg will, will nail <laughs> some in there. Those guys will start warming up, and then basically as those guys start to go cold, the tertiary guys will start picking it back up, and you basically you're just rolling all year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it will happen, but you can go through hot and cold stretches. Great. Um, I do think that the the team does have more of an offensive mindset this year uh, to try to do more of the goal scoring. And I also do think that last year they did get really unlucky in trying to extend leads, and that's that's a big part of where goal scoring does because where you where you extend leads is where you start getting more empty net goals and stuff like that. And I know that like it's. In the the when you're really digging into the stats, like that stuff doesn't matter. But like most of the time, we're not really digging into the stats. We just want to know how many goals are scoring, and empty net goals count for that. So, um, I think that they're bound for improvement. I I don't know. Thirteen does seem like a like a pretty good number. Uh, I'm gonna go even bolder and say they'll end up in the top ten. Um, yeah. Curious if I'm wrong. Nobody's ever gonna call me out for it. Nobody ever does I, that. Maybe I will. Uh, Nick knew we we talked about Erickson and having it, but it like we haven't 
kind of gone into a little bit more depth here, so we'll, we'll go ahead with that. Uh, he appears to be much improved, and his limited role so far is deployment really that important? Yes, it's very. And that important. is that is kind of the big thing. Like uh, Kyle at the uh, the offset talked about how there was basically there was evidence that it actually might have been Cronwell making Erickson worse, which is terrifying to think of. But in in general, like he has been given easier competition to play against, and he seems to really be thriving in in that kind of role. And I know that we had a lot of talks this this summer about. You know, he, he doesn't belong anywhere near an NHL roster. He's, he's the worst case, the worst possible thing. But he has been really hung out to dry. And, and we know that, in general, a lot of the quality of competition stuff washes out. But if you can do more to avoid making him play against the really good players, uh, Erickson seems very capable of, of handling third liners. Yeah, I, no, I mean, he's not, I, like, yeah, yeah, he's not the, he's not a good skater. He's not accurate in terms of shooting he's not a great passer but he for like i mean you see what he did on that nyquist goal and i have a feeling that we're just going to be living off of that <laughs> that play for a while <laughs> but um that's essentially what erickson is is a guy who is just a big lumbering defenseman who should be able to make plays using his big ofi frame and you know like that's what we need to expect him. He's going to be overpaid and his contract's going to suck either way. But, you know, at this point, you just want to watch a guy not suck. He's he's almost like the Darren Helm of the of the defense, because in the right role, he could be a, a, a decent contributor. He's not going to he's not going to crush you. But if you play him correctly, he could really work out because he's not, well, I don't say he's not, not bad. I mean, he's, he's been bad, but, um, but the problem is, is, is people will equate his contract and his past performance. And some people they'll never get past it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even right now they're saying, well, if Eric, since one of our best defensemen were screwed and it's like, well, I don't think people are saying that he's become one of their best defensemen. what they're saying is he's playing well in the role that he's been given. Those are two different things. Um, Kind of like hell. They finally put him in the right role, and he's succeeding. So, um, I, I think it's been great. I've I've always felt that if you put Erickson in a third pairing role, cut back his minutes, tasked him with doing less, played him against lesser competition, um, I thought he could be a guy that you could I don't want to call it just could become more dependable and maybe just more consistent in in what he's able to do um, and. You know, through six games, he's been pretty good. I also think the expectations for Erickson going into the season were so low that it's he doesn't have a a real high hurdle to clear for us to go. Yeah, he's been real good. Yeah. Right uh, let's see. Uh, Hazavis wants to know uh, if Anaheim does decide to move Lindholm, how much more than Fowler would he cost? <laughs> uh, real, real quick answers on this. Uh, Prashant, what do you think? Um. Everything. It'd have to be Larkin plus. Yeah, easy. Yep. 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 Uh, Larkin and Skywalker wants to know how is Pavs doing, and can we send him a postcard? Uh, he has 11 points in 13 games. Uh, yeah, go ahead and send him a postcard if you want. Yeah, sure. I don't care. Yep. Yeah, I don't sure. give a shit. Yep. Uh, Grandma Larkin wants to know what do you think needs to be done to make the PK consistent and effective? <laughs> uh, Steve Ott not taking. Clay Miller more. Yeah, Steve Ott not taking face-offs. Maybe that's one. Um, 
Danny DeKaiser maybe not playing as much. You know, you know what's funny is that they've been playing green on like the penalty kill. Like they've been playing like Andreas Athanasiu and Mike Green on the penalty. Like, am I like I, I saw Green on the PK at one point, right? Am I not? Cra- I'm, I'm not crazy. Uh, you, yeah, he, he played against the Sharks. Okay, uh, I, I thought so. So, like, I don't know. Like, I, maybe start shifting onto other players. I, you know, I maybe start looking at Nielsen a little bit more on the PK. I haven't really looked at how they've parsed out the PK minutes at all. So maybe Prashanth could give a little bit more light to that. But Green has fifty-six know. seconds of shorthanded time or time on ice per game. Who? Green. He is oh. six on the team. Like he plays as much as Woulette. Uh, mm-hmm. DeKaiser and Marchenko are both over three minutes per game. Smith and Erickson yeah. are just about two minutes per game. So that's probably a big one right there is DeKaiser and Marchenko. I think Marchenko has been okay, but not as good as I've wanted him to be. Um, and that's okay. Um, at this point, would I rather have Ouellette or Marchenko in? I don't know. I, I take Marchenko by a mile still. I don't know. I don't know, man. I might. I, I, just, I still think that Ouellette's a better skater, but I mean, Marchenko's defensively pretty sound so i don't know um maybe start shifting that that time to other defensemen and then like i said stop letting steve ott uh kill penalties <laughs> yeah i think i think a big issue has been forward um ice time distribution because your your top forwards are still miller glendang nielsen's in there but then helm ott so for me the guy that they've moved away from who actually was Probably the league's best penalty killer last year was Justin Abdelkader. Um, he was top three in terms of shots against on the penalty kill, in terms of expected goals against on the penalty kill, in terms of goals against on the penalty kill. Abdelkader was top three last year, and he's averaging 19 seconds of ice time shorthanded per game. I think that's one big move that I would absolutely go back and say, hey, I need to get Justin Abdelkader more on the penalty kill because I think he does a really good job. Uh, on the penalty kill. He's a guy I would absolutely have out there way more than Drew Miller or Luke, and, Luke Lindenning. Let this go on the record. Prashant has said something positive about Justin Ablocator. And Jonathan Erickson in and one Jonathan. episode. What in the hell Holy is shit. going on? Get yeah. to the bunker. Get to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> That's completely, yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, I think from a, uh, a systems perspective, uh, I do think it has been more on the forwards um and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, first off they've they've lost some some faceoffs way too clean, and that just makes it more difficult on everybody. Uh, even the best penalty killers in the game have trouble when the faceoff gets lost clean because there's that brief second where you do have your your responsibility, but you have to make micro adjustments as to where the guys are going. Uh, I, I think that's what really bit them against Tampa when they gave up those three power play goals. Um, there's a few guys that are still kind of getting used to each other, and so the wedge plus one uh, switch off as far as which uh, forward is supposed to be chasing the play and which one is supposed to be get back to the slot has been a little bit sloppier than usual. Uh, they're still not playing as aggressively to get the puck up ice as I feel that they can, especially with a little bit more speed than they've got. Like I want them going after more shorthanded goals, and they're just not doing that yet. Uh, I feel it's coming. One thing I do want to say that I think that the power, that the penalty kill has done well uh, is they are being very aggressive at their own blue line against zone entries when they are set up. Um, we've seen it. We saw it one time, and I, I don't even remember which game it was. I think it was Florida, where they got through. And when when they do get through clean, it's going to lead to some brutal, ugly stuff. 
but for the most part, it makes it really hard for them to get set up because I think that the Red Wings right now, uh, penalty kill wise, are struggling more with the setup, uh, and that's why I think they're focusing more on trying to prevent the, the clean entries to get to make those setups a little bit harder. So that is a, a good thing that they're doing. I think they're still kind of working on it. Um, just a few more tweaks, but uh, I, I think things are coming around on it. Let's see. Uh, would you rather have Truba or Lindholm? Lindholm. Yeah, Lindholm. That's tough. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I think I take Lindholm. I, I, I take Lindholm. I mean, on one hand, you take. Mm, I, I think I just take Lindholm on the fact that I think he's going to be. He's better than what Jacob Truba is. Um, I think. What they're both the same age, right? Yeah, they're both twenty-two. Um. Yeah, I take Lindholm. It's tough, but you know, you basically just flip a coin. I think Lindholm might be better. He's a lefty, and I think I like that more uh, in a shutdown guy. I don't I'm gonna know. I'm going to take Truba. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Kirchkoff24 asked about what it would take to, uh, like, what what would it take to get Eric Carlson in if you could only trade draft picks? Like, <laughs> I think the answer is like your first rounder for the next 10 years, right? I mean, it's, yeah, and like it, uh, sends not only GM but ownership just being completely hammered off of just like the shittiest grain alcohol you've ever heard of. Yeah, there comes a point where like you really can't just make draft pick only trades there. No, like, they're not going to want that many, like unless you really are willing to commit 10 years of first round picks. I mean, like, they're not going to want your entire draft. That's just a bunch of problems. Maybe um, you know what? It maybe I would say that would be plausible if Connor McDavid was the number one overall pick going into this year, and the Red Wings were absolutely poised to be a top five pick. Like maybe you would have a shot in the dark, but um, Nolan, th- this year's draft is it, it's not that good. Um, it's not as good as years past. So. No, that's just not. Yeah, gonna I mean, you remember Pittsburgh had that rumor when the McDavid draft was coming out was should they trade Crosby for McDavid? Yes. But, I mean, you had that. That was an actual yeah. article that was written. That was so, real. Yeah, I remember that. You, the problem is Connor McDavid doesn't come around. Like, so. Right. That's like you absolutely know. Like you're, you're talking about the best hockey in the, player in the world versus the future best hockey player in the world. So it's like it's easy. You take the future best hockey player in the world. So. Yeah. Uh, Spetching Expectations wants to know if Larkin could Falcon punch one player in the NHL right now, who would you want it to be? Uh, Graham, go ahead. Okay. Andrew Shaw. Graham, you still with us? I think Graham might have died. (laughs) Yep, Graham's dead. All right, Graham missed out on the question. Oh, no, I think I muted myself. That was the problem. <laughs> we'll just add in a fade. We'll fade your voice. And oh, I think I oh, just muted myself. Star swipe. Yeah. Um, one person, Brad Marsh. Okay. Ooh, good I think I take mine because Andrew Sharp is probably easiest because fuck that guy. But Corey Perry is also good. JJ, what about you? Uh, Red Kugudis. Okay. That's also <laughs> I think good. He- I think he's the single most dangerous player in the league right now. He is the one who most often intentionally tries to hurt people, and I don't think the league is that interested in stopping him. So Dylan Larkin, uh, the justifiable Falcon punch to end that guy's career uh, before he can end somebody else's. Datsuki and Freak says, other than the Vanek helm goose line, which other line combo do you view as the strongest or having the most potential? (laughs) 
Of ones that have played or like what, what, what I would we could, say that what the, 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 the last line you've seen so far this um, I would say where Athena I can't remember exactly what the last line with Athena CU. Um, I believe it was Athena CU. You mean against San Jose? Yeah, that where he was playing. Yeah, he played with Vanek and Helm because oh, Nyquist okay. moved up. Okay, yeah. so ba- yeah. so basically I would have those two lines. Like I think those two lines have potential to be swapped, like to be changed and then to what they are what they were in San Jose, and I think they both could really anchor the entire team. I think Nyquist with everybody. I've just I haven't said enough how much I've loved Nyquist so far this season. He is so beautifully good. <laughs> I, I would want to see Nielsen with Tatar and Nyquist. Ooh. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that'd be cool. That might make me pinch my nipples a little bit. <laughs> I might pinch your nipples a little bit. Okay. Well, yeah, everybody just come around and just pinch Kyle's nipples just a little bit. Uh, Ari Sizzle wants to know, um, after Sproul had decreasing points in each of three seasons upon entering the NHL and after being completely benched on the top six frequently in Grand Rapids, how many of you actually believed he was going to look good in the next in his next NHL games? Be honest. I Hell yeah! No, I, I absolutely thought he was going to be fine. He honestly, it, he strikes me as a the Brendan Smith type, decent, yeah. okay skater, just a right hand shot. I mean, he he's not going to put up points like every freaking game, but you know, if the Red Wings can roll, like I think that the the difference of having a left right left right left right on all three pairs, I think that makes a big difference for this team. So I mean. I don't know. I, I I always knew that he was going to be good, and I knew that if he was going to go on waivers, he was absolutely going to get claimed. So I think uh, he's I think, good, and I think the Red Wings should probably choose him over Ouellette. Uh, I don't know. It's a little tough. I mean, one, he didn't have decreasing points in each of his three seasons. He had 35 points last year, which was a yeah, hot. He went, up, he went up, yeah. Yeah. That did actually get debunked in the, in the comments. Oh. <laughs> But for me, I actually went on record saying I didn't think he was going to be successful. And I thought it had a lot to do with his skating. Um, I'll say that the first couple of games of him have looked great. He joins the rush really well. I think the comments about his skating are potentially a little misguided because he looks very fluid out there, able to join the rush, recover appropriately. Like his recovery on the second Nyquist goal was fantastic uh, after he had already flown by to be able to get back, get to Nieto and then get the puck to Nyquist. Um, I thought that was sensational. So, you know, I'm happy to say that I've, I've been proven wrong. I thought, I thought he was going to struggle. Uh, I just didn't see the mobility for him. So like right now, would you guys rather have Ouellette or would you rather have Sproul if you have to have one tomorrow? Yeah, I'm taking yeah. Sproul. Sproul. Yeah. yeah, easy. I will be honest and say that I had lost faith in Sproul. Like after being like after two years ago, like oh, you got to give him a chance. Like I was just wasn't very impressed with him in preseason. Um, I still think that he uh, tries to play the puck and the stick a little bit more often uh, than he should in regards to sometimes he needs to take the body. But that's with the way he's played in these last two games. Um, I'm not really worried about that right now. I agree. His mobility has been real good. His his vision, um, his his aggression, and his shot is, is real good. So I'm very happy with him. Um, let's see. Hold, let's see. I'll skip this one to go to the other one, and then we've got two questions left. Uh, how many of you think Cronwell plays more than 41 games this season? Nope. 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 He going to be hurt. He's not going right. to play one. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I think I'll play 10. Bill H., uh, do you think we can start a new defensive concept, team defense instead of individual glory? If all, our, if all of our defensemen are def- are solid, not spectacular, and do their jobs, can we spring our forwards to score more by not requiring them to cover the defense's continual mistakes? Uh, let's see, blah, 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 Cronwall. We're letting Sproul look good. So, yeah, essentially, can we play entire team defense rather than making our defense play defense? No, I'd rather the forwards score. I know that sounds like layman's like way to put it but I mean remember when we were talking about Manta not getting a call up because he's just a one dimensional player um, why can't we just expect our forwards to you know score goals and, and do all the, the fun stuff I mean all the while playing defense and, and all that but I, I would rather have a core of forwards that scores and I would I want everybody to just score. Can we just do that? Because if you score a lot, then nobody can outscore you. And then, you know, let's just do that. Screw defense. Let's just score a lot of goals. Best defense is a good offense. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you want the the Red Wings, no matter who's on the ice, to direct more pucks towards the opponent's net than get directed at theirs. And whether that's because they have, have stronger defensive players on the ice and they're just preventing shots against because shots are going to lead to goals, right? Um, or they have stronger or offensive players that are just getting more chances. I don't care how they do it. I don't necessarily think you have to have a team of 200 foot forwards to be successful. I mean, you can have guys that are, are offense only and they're going to do the job just fine. So I mean, you want some of your forwards to be defensively responsible, but let your defensemen play defense. Yeah, and I think I think the concept of team defense is it largely comes down from the coaching staff and the coaching structure that's in place. You know, you saw what Mike Babcock was able to do with uh, a bunch of forwards and a bunch of defensemen, and you know, in that scenario, he had the forwards, shade, you know, shading back to cover for the defensemen, uh, and you know, what you guys are talking about is potentially open up the system a little bit, which is what Blashell has done, and what we've seen is our defensemen have been able to do. A pretty solid job. I still don't think it excuses uh, not going after a number one because even with a defensive group as bad as the one Pittsburgh had last year, because you know Pittsburgh wasn't all that great, they still had Chris Letang. They still have that solid number one guy who can chew up a bunch of minutes. And I'd imagine that most teams, uh, I'd have to go all the way back and look, but majority of teams probably still need that big number one guy that can help. But you know, team defense absolutely. Uh, can spring those forwards a little bit more like you're seeing so far this year from the wings. I will say this. I absolutely hate the concept of even calling them defensemen. I know that we do because that's what everybody understands. Um, But I I think that it's unfair. Like they just call them backs because it's the concept of our forwards should score goals and our defensemen should play defense. I just, I don't like that system. Like I, I, I grew up loving the the Russian five system, where I think my favorite my favorite place to watch my team play defense is in the offensive zone below the circles. Um, the second best place to play defense is between the tops of your defense between the tops of your opponent's circles and your own blue line. And the very worst place to play defense is in your own zone. Uh, good defense starts with a good aggressive back check that lets your defenseman jump up and take people out at the blue line to turn the puck over there to start transition immediately. Uh, I want the defenseman to continue joining the rush like they've done more of this year. Um, if that involves 
the wingers having to dive deep into the zone a little bit more often to spring that from hap- to spring that a little bit more great i'm entirely on the concept of the whole de- team defense strategy and it's because i want them to spend more time preventing the puck from getting deep in their own zone and i think that's the way it happens that that's exactly what they did against nashville where nashville didn't have a very good time getting into our zone uh because the forwards were hounding them from the tops of the nashville circles all the way back through the neutral zone so that's what i want to see happen and to finish it off john connor says i know i'm way too late to get a question answered ha fool you but then he doesn't actually ask a question Uh, damn it he says, I don't have a question. I just want to say this place is awesome when we are winning. Really enjoyed reading the questions, and I'm looking forward to the answers. I mean, the blog is awesome when we're bitching about Steve Ott and Erickson being a shitbox, too. It's just a lot more fun when we're winning games and being reminded that if you were in a camper and didn't have a shitbox, you, ha- you would have to shit in the woods and run the risk of getting poison ivy on your ass. <laughs> you could try the camper on the public bathrooms, but I think the poison ivy might be better. And I will forgive John Connor for that not being a question because that was a great comment. That was good. That was a good comment. And you know what? Everything is more fun when you're winning. It doesn't matter where you're at, who you are, what team you're cheering for. Everything is more fun when you're winning. It doesn't matter if you just traded P.K. Subban for Shea Weber. Winning is fun. I will never shit on – well, no, I'm not going to say that. I will always shit on other teams for having fun. I yeah, hate other them. teams. But yeah, if they're having fun, I hate them. But um, what matters is that you're having fun, we're having fun, and when we're not having fun, at least we're having fun not having fun. So that's all that matters. Have fun. One, two, three, let's have fun. <laughs> and that was the end of our streak. And that was the end of the fun because Dylan Larkin isn't scoring anymore no i'm just kidding fellas any final hockey related thoughts for this edition of winging it motown radio yeah nothing all right then let's go toronto Ah. (laughs) (laughs) if you're a frequent listener of winging motown radio you will get that and i hope that it tickles you in a place that no one else can uh for jj for kyle for Graham, for Prashant, and for all of Red Wings fans, um, we bid you a pleasant game against Carolina. And um, let's go Red Wings. Hopefully they win. Um, we will see you guys next. Well, we won't see you, but we will talk to you guys next time. Have a good one. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. What does that mean? It's not like that. He's a turd. Hey man, I have freaking king cobras running around here. I'm terrified of snakes around here. It's terrifying.